0: But just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Take care of Tucker. Here's Welcome back to coliseum chronicles the penalty box i'm your host joe lazito if you are back thank you very much for returning i missed you very much happy to have you back i hope you enjoy this episode and if you're a first-time listener tuning in i hope that you enjoy the content and i strongly urge you to go back into my back catalog and check out some of the interviews i've done i would definitely say you're better off checking out the interviews rather than the solo episodes. Um, I do think my solo episodes are pretty good. I mean, you know, they are what they are. Um, but really the nuts and bolts of this podcast are the player interviews. And, uh, I'm always hesitant to say, uh, who I've interviewed. Cause obviously when, once you've done, Uh, you know, 20, 30, 35 interviews, you can't list everybody. And I'm always hesitant to say, well, I've interviewed such guys as this, as this, this guy, that guy, because then I feel like I'm leaving other guys off. And um, it's just, I, I, I'm uncomfortable doing that. So please take a second, scroll down. I have a list of the episodes that are on there. There's going to be guys you may not know. There's going to be guys, you know, just uh, have a listen. I think you'll enjoy it. So, this is now episode 42. If you listen to episode 41, I had hoped to bring you a combo episode with more than one guest that didn't happen this week. It's not, uh, it's not like the, uh, other times I've mentioned where, uh, I've basically been ghosted. This just, uh, it didn't work out this week. You know, these guys, um, work regular jobs, some of them, and this is a busy time of year for a lot of people. So, uh, we couldn't make it happen this week, but uh, I'm hoping that, uh, I will be able to record with the two gentlemen this week and bring that to you shortly. Um, so we're going to, I'm going to do a solo episode this week. It won't be nearly as long as uh, some of the other episodes. Um, and I'm not going to do a seasons episode. I, I feel like um, I've done five or six of those already. And, and I I do enjoy doing them. Uh, I just don't want to oversaturate, uh, you know, my catalog with those episodes. The, the ideal thing For me is to do one to two of those a month, interspersing them between interviews or whatever. If I come up with another idea for episodes Um, and I really, I want to avoid doing like two or three or four of those a month. I I feel like maybe then they just become static. So um, today's going to be sort of a a fast and loose episode. We're going to, why do I keep saying where I'm? I'm, listen, I'm right now, I'm in the studio. And by studio, I mean a room in my place uh, with my producer, who is me, and my engineer, who is me. Uh, so it's not we're, whenever I say we're, I don't understand why I do that. It's me. Um, so I just have a few sort of uh, topics that I decided I would uh, I would touch on and, um, you know, it, it just give my opinion or whatever, and uh, maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Maybe you'll agree with me. But um, I just figured just to have something out there, by no means do I think I'm mailing it in, uh, but I figure um, I don't like to go week or week or two without doing an episode. So uh, hopefully you'll find some of the uh, some of the content in this episode humorous. So um, and then, like I said, hopefully I can do that interview. I'm hoping to actually do two interviews this week, and I'll touch on the other interview in a little bit. Um, I'm hoping to, to get two of those done. That would be great. So as always, um, if you are on social media, if you could follow me on Twitter, actually, no, let me start over. Let me start over. As always, if you're listening to this, please subscribe to the show. Please like rate and review the show. It helps me out. Uh, it puts me somewhere in that algorithm where I show up in more searches or I'm higher up in the search, whatever it is. Um, I know that, uh, you know there are certain shows that i listen to regularly that i i've rated i've reviewed and uh it it takes you know depending on how lengthy of a review you want to leave you could do you can rate and review a show in 3 seconds um you could do more of a review but um if you like the content and you you hit that 5 star uh review that helps me out a lot so uh i'm not asking you for uh, for a day's work but if you don't mind if you like the content if you could rate and review the show that would be great also the reason why i tell you to subscribe is, uh, I think I'm on, I'm on a bunch of platforms, uh, but the main platforms that I'm on, once I upload an episode and generally what happens is I'll upload an episode, uh, Sunday afternoon. Right now it's a quarter to 11 Sunday morning. Uh, when I'm done recording this, I'll, I'll upload it. It'll probably four subscribers. It'll probably hit, uh, maybe around two, two thirty. Now I'm not saying plan your life around the show. Certainly not, but if you enjoy the content and you subscribe, you will get the content on whatever platform you subscribe to immediately once it's uploaded. Even Apple. Apple seems to be the one that takes forever to, uh, to get out there. And if you don't subscribe, then you will get the content at some point on Monday. But it, it could be Monday night. It could be well over 24 hours after I've uploaded it. So if you do enjoy the content, hit subscribe and you'll get it immediately. So if you're used to listening to this on Monday, you could very well listen to this Sunday night you know, Sunday afternoon, you're out driving around, you know, maybe you're looking to get some uh, Christmas gifts. You're going to get your Christmas tree, whatever, by the way, happy Hanukkah to all my Jewish friends out there. I know Hanukkah started a few days ago. So happy Hanukkah to, uh, to everybody out there that celebrates it. Uh, but like I said, you know, if you subscribe, you get the, you get the, um, material earlier than if you don't subscribe. So now getting back to social media, I'm on Twitter, My personal Twitter handle is at Joe underscore Lozito and the show Twitter is at Kali Sinbin Pot. Uh, Like I say every week, give me a follow, I'll follow you back. Um, As far as, you know, just so you know what you're getting into. Uh, it's mostly sports, uh, on both, obviously on the, the show podcast, it's, it's Islanders, it's Islander enforcer content. And on my personal one, it's, it's really nothing ever too serious. Uh, you get enough of that nonsense from all your political expert friends and your disease expert friends lately. So, uh, I try to keep it light on that stuff. And, uh, you know, like I said, if, as long as you're not a bot, uh, I will follow you back and, uh, yeah, why not? Why not? You're on social media anyway. Why not? uh, Facebook. Facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles Podcast. Similar content to the Twitter, um, the show Twitter, uh, photos, stats, um, all stuff related to Islanders and Islanders Enforcers. Again, nothing too serious. Facebook is a cesspool, and uh you have many Facebook friends that post their political nonsense. Why not get a little bit of a break from that while you're scrolling through your feed and get some uh some fun hockey fight content? Why not, right? Similarly, I know not everybody is on every social media platform. If you like the content on the Collie Sinbin pod, Twitter, uh, uh, Twitter account and the Coliseum Chronicles Facebook account, why not follow me on Instagram Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast again, same stuff as, as the, uh, Facebook account, but I know not everybody's on all these social media platforms. So, uh, you know, like I said, as far as the Twitter goes, if you follow me, I'll follow you back. Same thing on Instagram. Um, uh, Facebook, if you like the page and you have a page of your own, I'll, I'll like that. You know, it's all, you know, one hand washing the other, we're all, you know, small fish in the big pond known as the world. And, um, if we can help each other out, why not? Right. So, uh, check out the show on social media and, um, uh, you'll like it. I'm sure, you know, why not? It's uh, if you're listening to the show, you obviously like the Islanders or you like hockey fights or both. So, For me to say, it's not like I'm saying, hey, you're going to like my social media because my social media is awesome. But if you listen to the show, you're obviously listening because you like the content of the show, which, and basically my social media is the content of the show in picture form or word form. So it put two and two together, you probably will like the social media. When you go on social media, you'll see my logo. My logo was done by local Long Island artist Joe Marisic. Joe Marisic is an artistic genius. You've heard me say that before, and I'm gonna say it till I'm blue in the face. If you like Joe's art, hit him up at GraphicsJoker Joker on Twitter or loudegg.com. Joe is available for hire. He's he doesn't just do tunes, he does all different kinds of art. And like I said, the dude's hand, whatever hand he draws with been touched by god he is really talented so definitely check him out hit him up he's for hire you will not be disappointed i promise you and when you see that logo you've heard me talk about it that logo is available on merchandise Calcium chronicles the penalty box podcast merchandise you can order your merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash coliseum hyphen chronicles hyphen merch now you're saying to yourself I barely got past teespring.com. I'm I, I going to have to go back and rewind this and, and listen to it again, write it down. No, 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 no. Don't even worry about that. Scroll down to the description, the description of this episode, whatever platform you're listening to, scroll down to the bottom. There's a direct link to the store. You can order whatever you want. Now, every week I do listener-exclusive discounts. This week I want you to use the code Smitty, S M I. TTY, and that is an homage to the goat, the best money goaltender of all time, and a guy. Honestly, I think because he was so amazing in the playoffs, I think people don't generally recognize how great he was in the regular season. I think it's it's sort of a weird aspect of it. Billy Smith, Billy Smith turned seventy on Saturday, the twelfth. Turned seventy, and uh, as an homage, we're going to use the code Smitty this week. So if you go on the uh, merchandise website put in that code smitty you'll get 20 percent off anything in the store like i said billy smith legendary goalie a lot of times people talk about the old time greats. you hear you know hosik you hear uh, patrick Wa martin brodeur you, you never really hear billy smith but uh i don't quite understand why that is but uh you know to me guy has four rings he's the backbone of those cup teams he's the goat happy birthday mr smith Use the code SMITTY this week, 20% off in the store. Now, if you are on Long Island or in one of the surrounding boroughs and you want to get in shape, you're looking for a gym, hopefully the uh, emperor nipple rings, Cuomo, doesn't close uh, down the gyms again. Uh, Belmore Kickboxing and MMA. Belmore Kickboxing and MMA is Long Island's premier mixed martial arts gym. They're open seven days a week. They have classes for men, for women, for children. Private training sessions are also available. Some names you may heard of, professional fighters that train there, John Vellante, Gregor Gillespie, Andre Harrison, Adam Kownacki. all these guys are current. They're fighting MMA. They're fighting in boxing. Um, they train at the gym. But the gym, the heart and soul of the gym, regular, regular, everyday working Joes, working folks, that's the backbone of the gym. Um, it's a fun place to train. It really is. There's good people that train there. It's very laid back, old-school training, old-school gym. Uh, 2551 Merrick road in Bellmore, New York, BellmoreKickboxingMMA.com. The phone number is five, one, six, six, seven, nine, five, nine, nine, seven. When you reach out to them, I want you to ask for Keith Trimble. Keith is the best trainer in the business. He is a good friend of mine. I love him. Uh, he will not steer you wrong. And if, when you talk to Keith mention the show and you get one free class. And, uh, like I always say, you get one free class, you're going to join Like I said, I can't say enough about the place. I I love it. It's a great place to train. It's a terrific environment. And um, once you get that free class, I know you're going to join. And if you don't join, you're going to try to sign up your kid or your significant other. It's just great. So please, do yourself a favor. Reach out to Keith. Tell him, hey, I heard about the gym on Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. I'm interested in getting my free class and seeing what the gym's all about. He'll set you up. You'll be a member in no time. So again. Check out Belmore kickboxing and MMA train where the champions train. You won't, you won't regret it. Trust me. So now we've come up to this part of the show where I'm going to tell you about other shows you may enjoy. And chances are, if you're listening to this right now, you listen to these other shows. Why? Because you have good taste. I mean, it really doesn't even need to be said. It may not, but it's always nice to hear compliments, right? You're listening to this show. You have good taste. So you probably listen to other shows, other quality, quality programming. The OG of the hockey enforcer podcast world, Darren up in Saskatoon, the fourth line voice podcast, Darren's latest episode that's out. Like I always say, it's Sunday. He's got another episode coming out today. Uh, it is not out as of my recording. So his, technically his latest episode was with a gentleman named Steve Adams. That was an unbelievable interview. Steve has a lot of great stories. And like Darren said at the beginning of the interview, the beginning of in his intro, Steve likes to talk and you know what, that's a blessing for guys like me and Darren, because you get a guest on that doesn't want to talk, it, it, uh, doesn't make for a very good interview and steve had a lot of great stories and um i really I, I recommend listening to it um darren also has a youtube channel where he uh posts hockey fights he's got over 2200 fights on there if you've watched the hockey fight on youtube chances are it has been on darren's channel so definitely keep that up and if you haven't go to darren's channel go to the search bar put in a name if you're not a rabid hockey fight fan, everybody knows the, the regular names. You know, Bob Probert, Dave Brown, Ben Wilson, Dave Schultz, Clark Gillies, Bob Nystrom, Nick Fatiu, uh, Bougard, all, all the names you've heard of. But there's plenty of guys in there that maybe you haven't heard of. So just get in there, dive into the channel, go down the rabbit hole, and I'll see you in five hours. It's that easy to get sucked in. So definitely check that out and listen to a show. Another guy I want you to listen to, my friend Alec in Florida, fight for Fighting podcast. Alec is back. Hit the ground running. He's two episodes uh, in from his uh, hiatus. He, uh, Like I said, he hit the ground running with an uh, episode last week and a new one this week with uh, Frank Littlejohn. Frank Littlejohn, Steve Adams. You may not know these guys. I know them because I'm a hockey fight nut, but you may not know them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen to these guys' stories because these guys have Amazing stories, and I think it was Darren that said, "If you don't know the guy's name, chances are in the interview, he's going to mention names that you know." I'll give you, for instance, I just uh, I started listening to the Frank Little John episode yesterday, and then I had to run errands earlier today, and I had it on in the truck. At the point where I'm at right now in the Frank Little John episode, he's talking about Brian Kerr, and he played for Brian Kerr in, in Quad City. So maybe you're here on Long Island, you don't. Know, you never heard of Frank Littlejohn, but you heard of Brian Curran. So this is the point. These, these minor league guys who you go, well, I don't know who Steve Adams is. I don't know who Frank Littlejohn is. These guys have amazing stories. And you know what? Instead of saying, I don't know who these guys are, take a few minutes, go on YouTube, punch their name and watch some of their fights, see if there's any features on them, and then listen to the interviews or do it in reverse. It's really cool if if you can go on there and hear these guys talk about fights that they had or incidents that they may have been involved in. And then you go on YouTube and holy shit, there it is. And you can kind of piece it together. Definitely take the time. Like I said, there are guys on my show that you may not have ever heard of, but they have great stories. So Alec, like I said, I'm really looking forward to listening to the rest of the Frank Little John interview. I'm sure I'll have it done by tomorrow. Um, so like I said, you got fourth line voice podcast, you got five for fighting podcast and if you are on Facebook, go to the Enforcer Appreciation page. Um, I have been made a moderator there. He's uh, he's enlisted some moderators. I'm, I don't want to say I'm an absentee moderator. I don't get on there nearly as much as a lot of people. I'd say so far the one thing I've done in the last day or so is I've declined a few people trying to get on there because they're obviously not real people. Um, th- there's all these fake Facebook accounts, people from like, Oh God, I don't even know. I'm not even going to say a country. I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody nowadays, but there it's obvious. These people are not hockey fans. They're not hockey fight fans. So I think I've declined like five or six people already. And, uh, it, it's, and, and I see people, I see these accounts on the page that I know they're not either. They're not real people or they're up to no good. So it was, uh, that was the fun part so far, declining some of these fake accounts, but, uh, Check it out. Look at that. I'm, my voice cracked. I'm so emotional about this. Check out the page, Enforcer Appreciation page. Uh, lots of good stuff on there. There's always a lot of good videos, a lot of good fight pictures. Uh, plenty of former enforcers are on there, and they're all cool guys. You, know, you can shoot the shit with them. You can ask some questions, and uh, it's just a good time. Like, like I said, you <sighs> fuck, you go on Facebook the last four or five years, and it's just a cesspool of bullshit. You know, and why not go to a page that you're going to actually enjoy? There's very few pages more enjoyable than the force for Appreciation page. Also, if you're a, a hockey jersey nut, hockey equipment nut like myself, Alec also started a QSPHL slash LNAH jersey and equipment page. I hope at some point this page picks up a little more steam because I love looking at this stuff. And the Quebec league always has these real colorful. It's funny. The jerseys are really colorful. Some of them are, they just look so cheap, but some of them are absolutely stunning. And, uh, it's just cool. It's a piece of history, whether you like the league or not. it's It's a piece of history. It's a piece of hockey history. It's a piece of hockey fight history. And, uh, I hope more people get involved in it. I'd love to see people post their stuff on there. I only have one. I only have one Jersey, a Quebec league Jersey from Mike Bray. A uh, former Quebec junior league player who was drafted by the Islanders, never played for the Islanders, but because he has Islander ties, uh, I do have that Jersey. Um, you know, like I said, probably my favorite player that ever played in that league is Joel Terrio. Uh, I'd love to get a Joel Theriot Jersey at some point. Uh, but like I said, the jerseys are just even cool to look at. Like you go to the hockey hall of fame, you see a lot of shit. You don't know what the hell it is, but it's just cool to look at. And when people post their collections, you know, like I said, check it out become a member if you have anything posted on there it just makes the board a little more alive and um you know go for it definitely check out those shows too please definitely do it you won't regret it you're listening listen everybody knows the big shows everybody knows the big shows that are out there you go on i listen to my shows on apple and you know at the bottom you scroll in other shows you may like and they're always promoting the big dogs and they're all you know Everybody knows the big shows. I'm not even going to say them. They don't need me to promote them. They, you know who they are and they're, they're good. Don't get me wrong. Well, some of them are good. There are a lot of shows out there that are big shows. Eh, not my cup of tea. Okay. Um, and then there are a lot of shows out there, big shows that I never listen to because they're more like now, you know, current hockey, eh, not really my cup of tea. Okay. But. And, and I was discussing this, actually, I was discussing this with uh, Eric Cairns the other day. We were chatting. I'll get to that in a little bit, too. Um, we we're talking about a guy who uh, who appeared on one of the bigger shows. And I said, it was good. It was a good interview. It, don't get me wrong. It was a very good interview. But I said, if I had that guy on my show, I would have, my interview would run circles around the interview he did on the big show. It's just a fact. And, and, and listen, it's a fact because on my show, I focus on the guy. I focus on the guy. I focus on his career. That's what Darren does. That's what Alec does. And on some of these bigger shows, they get into a bunch of different topics. So if they have an hour and a half show, maybe the interviews they do with these guys are only 30 minutes, 35 minutes, where, as you know, if you've listened to my show, I focus on the guy and. If you're Mick Fakoda, you might be on here for seven and a half hours. Or, you know, just interviewed Graham Townsend. It was four and a half hours. So nobody else, with the exception of people like myself or Darren or Alec, nobody else is going to give you that because, you know, maybe they're sponsors, maybe they're used to, you know, there's more than one person on the show, whatever. And you got people chiming in left and right. That's their show. And that's great. And like I said, I listen to. I don't know, maybe seven or eight podcasts regularly. There are some I only listen to if they have a guest on that I like. Um, but there are some I listen to start to finish, probably three or four start to finish every episode, then probably another three or four that I only listen to if they have a guest on that I like. And um, but like I said, and I know Alex says it and I know Darren says it and I say the same thing. The The work that we put in on these uh, on these podcasts, I, I think is second to none. I'll give you an example. It part of the reason why I get aggravated when a, a guy agrees to do the show and then goes to me is because I don't do my research until I, st- until I get the okay from the guy. Yeah, I'll do the show. So now there are cert- there's one guy who, who goes to me. I probably did 11 hours of research on between video and articles and writing up the questions and all this other stuff, probably 11 hours. Now I can't get the guy to return a text. So it gets aggravating. And I'm not saying that the the big shows, whatever it is, don't do that much research because fuck do I know, but I can only speak for myself. And I think I could speak for Alec and I think I could speak for Darren, the amount of energy we put into these shows, the amount of research we put into these shows. So, um, you know, honestly, probably between Darren, Alec and myself, I probably have the the smallest following. I think I'm more niche than the two of them because they'll, they do interviews with, Anybody who who fought where I'm sort of like, I do that, but I I focus on the Islanders and that's fine with me. Like, I don't view those guys as competition. They're my friends and I love their shows and I'll promote their shows till I'm blue in the face. Um, And I'm realistic about it. Um, There are guys that didn't play for the Islanders that I'd love to interview, but then my show becomes like theirs and then you start to flood it. And to me, there's no point in that. Those two guys do a great job. There's no reason for me to go outside my zone here with the Islander organization um, there's none. Yeah. There's probably four or five guys I'd love to interview, but it's fine. It really is. Because like I said, then, then you have Darren put out a show, Alec put out a show. I put out a show and it's like, all right, well, this guy played here, here, here. I kind of like my little bubble that I'm in right now that the Islander and organization bubble, I kind of like it. And I kind of like the fact that Alec and Darren, they interview everybody else because it, it, it doesn't limit them. They have so many. They have hundreds of players they can choose from in all different leagues and everything. And there's no need for me to to go outside this bubble. So I think they probably have a bigger a bigger following uh, than I do, which is great. Like I always like I've always said, there's enough success in this world. There's enough good thing in, things in this world for everybody. I I hope I would love to see one day. Darren and Alec have the top two podcasts in the world. That would make, nothing would make me happier. I think it would be great. I root for those guys. I'll support those guys till I'm blue in the face. And that's why I always say, take an interview that Darren did. Take an interview that Alec did. Take an interview that I did and put it up against the big boys. And to me, the only difference is the big boys had a lot more listeners, but our interviews, I'll take them any day of the week, twice on Sunday put in the work, we get into it, you know, and, and, and for myself, for me, the credit goes to the, to the guests because how do you, how do you, know, when I always go back to Mick Fakoda because this was the one that was by far my longest one. And, um, how do you, like I, when I approached Mick about doing it and, and the one thing I say, I always said this to Mick, I've said this to Mick for 10, 15 years before I ever thought about a podcast, uh, before anything. And I said, at some point, I want to interview you for something. And again, this was before a podcast blew up. I said, I want to interview you for something because over the years, I've listened to all your interviews. I've watched all your interviews and I felt like they never scratched the surface. And I always said to him, I feel like if I can interview you, I feel like someone like myself, who's passionate about the role, passionate about your career and has seen most of it, if not all of it, you know obviously, I wasn't there in the Western League when he played and I wasn't in Springfield when he played. but you know there's video for some of that stuff, but the the bulk you know his N h l career pretty much I witnessed all of it, so almost every game he played with the Islanders and so on and so forth. I always said, if I can interview you, it will be the best interview you've ever done, and that's not because of me that's because of him, so I can't go to Mick Vakota and say. Yeah, we'll probably do eight hours. Pfft, how fuck do I know? I could have interviewed Mick, and he could have been a terrible interview, and we could have we could have interviewed for ninety minutes because he was awful. But we did seven and a half hours because he was an amazing interview. Because he, first of all, Mick is a character. Mick is very honest about his career. He's very forthcoming. That's why the interview was. That's why I had to break it up into three parts. That's why the interview was so long because of the guest. So I can't go to Mick and say, we're going to do eight hours. Cause I honestly don't know what we're going to do. When I approach these guys, I tell them, I usually will tell you, we're going to do at least two hours, two and a half hours. And then we go from there and I tell them it could go longer. And I always use the Mick interviews as an example saying, I did seven and a half hours in Mick I don't think we're going to do that, but it really depends on you because you're, I just throw the questions out there. If you want to give me one word answers, you want to give me one sentence answers, the interview is going to be over a lot quicker. But if you want to give me more information, you want to get out there, you want to go deep into it. We're going to have a two, three, four hour interview and it's great. And maybe some of the bigger shows can't get into that stuff. Who knows? I don't know. That's why I always say I'm going to pump my show's tires. I'm going to pump Alex's tires. I'm going to pump Darren's tires because I think, I think what we bring, to the podcast industry, and I don't know how many listeners they have. I don't, honestly don't even really know how many listeners I have. I'm uncharitable, but I don't know how to read any of that shit. Um, but I do know that, you know, the messages I get from people that say they enjoyed the episodes, they they mean a lot to me. Thank you. Keep them coming. And um, like I said, I'm under no illusions that it's because of me. It's because of the guests. So uh, anyway, that was sort of a long-winded promotion for my show and Alex show and Darren show. But, uh, like I said, I have no issue talking about those guys because they bring it every episode. So, uh, and, and, you know, I think to a certain extent I do too. But, uh, again, that's for you to decide if you're a repeat listener, then you like the content and I appreciate you more than you know. So as I said, there's no guest this week. So we're just gonna, we're going to do some quick hits. Let's say we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about certain things. So as always, I'm going to, I always start with the Matt Martin watch, but we're going to start with something before that, that leads into the Matt Martin watch. So this past week, um, it was all over social media, all over, uh, NHL network, whatever it is about, um, return to play hockey's return to play. And the word is that they're going to start on January 13th. Now I'm seeing that everywhere. I'm seeing January 13th everywhere the one place i haven't seen it from the nhl but um you see some of the social media accounts um some of the players some of the wives i don't follow any of the wives accounts i know my wife does um and i know she saw one of the players i don't remember which player it was but uh she follows the wife and the wife had said something about well we're, we're going to have christmas in new york after all so i guess when you see um people involved in the game posting about that it kind of gives you an idea hey they're probably you know their christmas in new york means they're coming back to new york so it seems like the return to play is accurate it seems like january 13th is accurate i guess they have to announce it soon because they have to have at least a week or two training camp i would think maybe play an exhibition game or something so um i'm recording this on december 13th which is sunday so that would be a month from today uh hockey would be returning so you got to figure you got to give these time these guys time to get here from wherever they are whether they're somewhere else in the country or they're in canada or in europe you got to give these these guys time to get here you got to have at least I, I don't know i mean i think a lot of the guys are probably skating on their own but you got to give them a week or so to get ready and i'm sure you got to play an exhibition game or two so i would i would assume there'll be an announcement this week hopefully and that brings me into the matt martin watch so again as i say every week no news is good news but now we're getting the crunch time and i guess what i had touched on last week i think with these unrestricted free agents um some of the owners felt like they'd lose more money by playing than if they didn't play so i guess a lot of the owners with these unrestricted guys, unless they're superstar players that you want to get under contract, I guess you don't want them hanging out there, I guess just get them under contract but I guess with some of these unrestricted guys, they're not going to sign them because now they're under contract and then if they don't play like I don't know how that works if the guys are getting paid or not, but let's take guys a guy like Matt Martins so now he's not signed, so maybe there's something in the works once we announce the season, whatever we'll announce that we're signing you I have no idea. I do not have any undercover information. I have no idea. So this could be totally up my ass. But I'm thinking if they sign Matt Martin now he's under contract. And now if they don't play does he get paid? If they don't sign Matt Martin, he's not under contract and if they don't play obviously he's not going to get paid. So I don't know with a lot of these unrestricted guys if they're not being signed because of the uncertainty surrounding the season. That being said, now that it appears anyway, that there is a return to play date of January 13th set. Maybe now you start to see these guys like Matt Martin signing. Uh, And in the Islanders' case, also Matt Barzell has to sign. Now he's not unrestricted, but I I think they're going to, hopefully they have something in place. Once he gets signed, I think you're going to see guys like Matt Martin and a couple other uh, unrestricted guys, if they're interested in bringing them back, kind of like you see Barzell, then you'll see Martin. Uh, A couple other guys sign after that hopefully that's what happens so hopefully when i record next week i'll have good news for you because we're really getting into crunch time now because you know listen you know a guy like matt martin he's got to get out there and he might be skating every day for all i know who the hell knows what he's doing i know uh my wife follows his wife on the social media so i I love it i love seeing it she'll always show me the pictures of matt with his baby girl I love seeing that. He could be working out like a madman. I mean, Matt Martin is, Jesus Christ, he's a fucking specimen. So I'm sure that he's uh, he's training. I'm sure he's not sitting around. But, you know, it's always like whatever sport you're in, there's no substitute for game action. There's no substitute being in there with your colleagues. You know, Matt Martin or any, any NHL player, any pro player skating on their own is a lot different than Getting in there and having practices or scrimmages or something like that. So, you don't, if, if they're coming back on January 13th, you really don't want to get Matt Martin in here on January 12th, let's say. Let's get him in here, get him in with the boys and get it going. So, hopefully, this time next week, you'll already know that he signed and then I can tell you again that he signed. Cause, like I say, being a once a week show, it doesn't really, uh, it's not conducive to breaking news. Again, there goes my voice. Hold on, I got to take a sip of something. There you go. So hopefully, like I said, next week at this time, Matt Martin is officially in the fold. Uh, one of the other things about this uh, return to play is the divisional realignment. I I love it. I love it. Now, why do I love it? As I've said before, there are no more rivalries. You People could talk about rivalries. There aren't any more rivalries. If you're 20, maybe you think there's rivalries. If you're younger than 20, then you definitely do. If you're someone like myself who watched hockey when they actually had rivalries, there's no rivalries today. But with these divisional realignments, if you're going to play the same team a bunch of times, familiarity breeds contempt. And the chances of the games becoming violent and physical and full of venom are pretty good. Now, I know that uh, I've seen a lot of my Islander fan uh, brethren I, I I've actually seen a lot of people say this with the division that they're in, they're going to finish in first or they're going to finish in last. Now I don't necessarily, uh, agree with that. Um, but I think the reason why I love it is because as far as the, as far as the roster goes, yeah, have they really made improvements? It's pretty, pretty similar to the team they've had last year. I don't know what Sorokin's going to, what he's going to be. I don't know if Varlamov's going to have the season like he had last year. Um, but I I just feel like you have Lou, you have Barry, you always have a chance. And this is a team that made it to the conference final last year. Um, so I, I I like the core here. I don't know. It's just something they just kind of remind me of soldiers. You know, they just kind of remind me of a, of a family of soldiers that go to war for each other. And, uh, I like this team. Um, but I like the idea of playing the Rangers and the devils and the flyers a bunch of times. I, I like it. um, uh, if you, And if you're Canadian, if you live in Canada and those, I think it's seven teams, those seven teams are going to be playing each other 50 games or so. Holy shit. That's going to be wild. I I like the way it used to be where you played the teams in your division a bunch of times. The way that it, the way that it used to be, I remember was, uh, you'd play, you'd play your division games. You would play the teams in your division a bunch of times. You'd play the teams the other divisions, the one division in your conference back when there were four divisions. uh, You'd play them less than your division, but more than the other conference. And then the other uh, conference, you'd play two games. You used to play three. Uh, It would alternate every year. You'd have two home games and you'd go there once. And then the next year, they'd have two home games and they'd come to your rink once. And then it got to the point where it was just one home and one road. Um, I would love to see something like that again. Uh, I'd also love to see the divisions go back to having names uh, instead of, like, East and Southeast and Northeast, whatever the fuck they are. It's Patrick, Adams, Smythe, Norris. Let's get the old names back here. Jesus Christ, come on. Let's pay some homage to the men who built this league. Fuck, come on now. Let's get the names back. But um, I liked it. I liked it when you you played your division rivals a bunch of times. I mean, it just made the games much more physical. It made the games much more intense. So I'm actually... I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen this year. I, I love the fact that I'm, that the Islanders are going to play the Rangers uh, a bunch of times. They're going to play the Devils. Maybe, maybe it will develop into something. You never know. I honestly feel like if, if you're going to play the teams in your division a bunch of times and you're still getting the hockey that you, you've been getting the last few years, then I, I don't think there's any hope. But, you know, in the playoffs, it got a little physical. So let's keep our fingers crossed. So I'm, I'm all for the divisional realignment. Not permanently, obviously, but uh, I'm definitely for it for this season. Then we'll go from there. One of my friends from the old fight board days, a man named Ron, he started a Facebook group for, uh, I guess, old farts like me who were back in the hobby. And, uh, the VHS days and stuff like that. And it really got me thinking about, um, the good old days and, um, what the hobby, you know, means to me and what it, what it meant to me back in the day. And, uh, for, for young, young listeners, you know, there's a thing called YouTube and that makes it easy. Cause you just go to YouTube and you punch in whatever you want and you can find it. I mean, I don't know. You can go there and punch punch in fart videos. you probably find a million fart videos. I don't know. I'm not going to do it. But but back in the day, you know, you go back and you go to Hockey News and a few people had ads in the Hockey News and you order them. And I remember um, the first tapes I ordered were from a guy named Phil Davis. And Phil Davis had uh, a requirement. You had to order two tapes. They were $35 each, so they were $70, and I think it might have been 5 or $6 shipping. And it was when, when the packages came, and there were just a sort of tapes, like, you know, pick a season and, yeah, I'll take two of those, whatever. And they got there, and it was like, you got those VHS tapes, you popped them in the VCR, and you didn't move. You didn't move. You just watched them from start to finish, and then maybe you watched them again. And... I remember getting a bunch of them and then I remember a buddy of mine that I went to high school with. He lived around the corner from me and we were just bullshitting one day and and he mentioned that he had some and I'm like, wait, you have some hockey fight tapes? Yeah. Well, shit, I have some hockey fight tapes too. Holy shit. And then we compare each other and we, at that point, maybe what did we have? Six, seven tapes each, whatever it is, but if I have seven tapes and you have seven tapes, hey, if we trade, now we're building our collection and, um, Then what that develops into is, well, if this guy makes the tapes, well, why can't I make tapes? And then, well, wait, I I can make tapes. So you start making your own tapes. And I remember that the tapes I made in the beginning were so pedestrian. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, you had the snow in between fights because you haven't quite mastered the fact that let it run a little bit and then rewind it or you piece them together. So I remember the first, first couple of tapes I made very, very, uh, rudimentary and, uh, you know, you got the snow in between and it was just, you know, I laugh at it now, not that I'm a professional video guy now, but, um, and it was just great. And then I never, I'll never forget. Um, I don't, well, I shouldn't say I'll never forget because I don't remember the origins of the origins of this, but when we moved here, when we moved from Long Island to Queens, I moved to Leviton and we were about 10 minutes from the Coliseum. And I don't exactly remember the aha moment when I realized that the visiting teams would stay at the Marriott. I also don't remember the aha moment when I realized they have to walk across. I, I, I didn't, I don't remember when that happened. And I, what I do remember is, and this is, this will be funny for, um, for people that will laugh at me. I had no idea that people just went and waited outside the Marriott, if you're not familiar with it, the back of the Marriott faces the main entrance to the Coliseum. So most of the guys would walk from the Marriott to the Coliseum. Now your, your big, your big names. I don't know if Wayne Gretzky ever walked across. I, I do know actually that Mario Lemieux did a few times. I was actually very surprised to see him do that. Um, I've, I've seen Brett Hall. Most of the, most of the guys did it. Then you get the guys who aren't necessarily big names, but wouldn't walk across because in their head, they're big names. Um, But for someone like myself, who was there to see one or two guys on each team, and none of them were the superstars on each team, this was gold. And I'll never forget the first player that I met. The first player that I met was Gord Donnelly. And why I will never forget this is because I was such an idiot. I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know Oh yeah. They go for the morning skate. So you get there around eight thirty. you see them going across, whatever. They start heading over probably around four o'clock for the game. I had no idea. So I was just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call Gord Donnelly and ask him if it's okay to get his autograph and find out when I should go. Cause why not? Right. I don't fucking know. So I called Gord Donnelly and I don't know who he was rooming with. But I heard, hello? Yep. I called Gore Donnelly and woke up his roommate and woke up Gore Donnelly. Because I am a knucklehead fan that wanted his autograph. But I will say, to Gore Donnelly's credit, he couldn't have been better about it. He was very cool. He told me exactly when to be downstairs. I apologized until I was blue in the face. And he was very cool about it. I said, look, I don't know. I said, I just couldn't. I didn't know what to do. And he actually was really cool about it. And he's like, yeah, usually people wait out here and we walk across and sign and whatever. And I was like, man, this is good. I don't have to wake anyone else up. I honestly felt like such a dick, but, um, but he was great about it. That was the first guy that I met doing that. And then it just became this thing where I would go. And so I I've always been interested in collecting stuff like jerseys and gloves and sticks. And as you've seen on my social media lately, I've been posting stuff. Um, and what I figured is, wow. Okay. But, but I've never been the type to just ask for something. I like to give something and maybe get something in return. If I didn't have anything, I, I always felt weird asking. So now this is where my fight tape skills would come, come into play. So then basically what would happen is I would so a schedule would come out. I'd look at the schedule. Okay, this team's coming in this date. This team's coming in this state. This team's coming in this date. Circle, circle, circle. Okay. So I want to go this date. Uh let's see who's coming in. Quebec's coming in. Okay. Uh I wanna make sure I update my Darren Kimball tape. Uh, maybe Steve Finn. Uh depending who else is up there, definitely want to do that and okay so st louis is coming in that's todd ewan uh i want to update that i don't know who else is on the team with them maybe uh you know oh buffalo's coming in well that's brad may that's that's matt barnaby want to update so and basically that's what i would do uh take the season compilations and update the tape and then go there and see the guys and say listen you know um i made this fight tape for you and after you meet them the first time then the ice is broken so um so then it was, yeah, you know, Hey, I, I don't know if you, uh, I made this tape. I'm hoping that maybe we could swap it out for a stick or something like that. And if not, it's okay. But, uh, and, and a lot of the guys were unbelievably awesome about it. Like they, listen, everybody that's done the job over the course of their career, whether it's you know, junior, a junior, B major, junior, the minors, everyone's watched fight tapes. These guys have all watched fight tapes. They've made fight tapes. They got them for themselves. What I think really caught some of them by surprise was that it was someone here on Long Island that, that was interested in their career because I think a lot of these guys are really humble and I, like a guy like Darren Kimball was like amazed that, uh, that someone gave a shit about him. Like this kid from Lucky Lake and I I'm here to see him. Like I'm not, I didn't go to see Joe Sackick. I didn't go to see. Uh, the bigger names, Owen Nolan or anything like that. I, I was at the hotel to see Darren Kimball that day. And I, I think, you know, guys like that are just really, really appreciative of their fans. And then you become friends with them and you see them every year. And it's just really, so then it became like a cycle, like every year, Hey, what's going on? And some of these guys you keep in touch with during the off season. And, um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, it really wasn't. And I made a lot of good friends over the years. Some guys I still talk to to this day because of the hobby. And, um, you know, Hey, I invested a lot of time in this hobby and, um, you know, then you get to know some of the trainers and you get to know some of the coaches and the GMs and Hey, you know, what do you do with the game tapes at the end of the year? Oh, you throw them out. Hey, is there any way I can get these? I'd love to make a team fight tape. Hey, that's a great idea. Send me some copies. You can have all the tapes. And you just sort of, it's sort of like you're networking and, um, you know, there are, I don't know. I mean, there's thousands of fight tapes in the hobby, um, as far as like some of the minor league team tapes, um, I don't know, 20, 25 of those originated from me and I'm happy that they're out there. I'm happy people get enjoyment. I'll never forget, you know, there are some people that, that hoard these tapes and they don't share them and and so be it. I mean, if a guy gets some pretty rare footage, You know, I, I sort of understand if he doesn't want to give it out to every Tom, Dick and Harry that doesn't get anything, but I also understand, understand circumstance. I happen to live on long Island. I happen to have access to a lot of these guys, but there may be an NHL fan in Cedar Rapids that has no access to anybody. So if I go to him, if he comes to me and says, Hey, I want to copy that tape you made. Well, what do you have to trade? I don't really have anything. I get it. You know, so I kind of understand that. The unfortunate thing about the hobby is there are some people like that, especially some of the older traders, and they probably have a ton of shit sitting in their basement right now that'll never see the light of day because they, you know, they don't want to trade it and that's fine. So be it. I was never like that. I I enjoyed the fact that. Um, you know, there were probably, I don't know, seven or eight years of Norfolk Admiral stuff out there that I did and, and shared it. I know in Lexington, men of war is out there. There's some St. John's Maple Leafs that I put out there. Uh, Kansas city blades one year in Las Vegas, thunder, uh, gold Kings. A lot of that stuff is from Dean Ewan. Uh, I love having that stuff out there. I love having people enjoy it. So, um, so the hobby has been really good to me and it's been a lot of fun. I, I put a lot of time into that hobby and, um, And I love it. And so what happens is now though, over the last year or so, I have these crates and crates of DVDs in my garage that I never watch. So I got rid of 90% of my collection, not the stuff that I, that I made, but I got rid of like 90% of my collection. And now I find myself trying to fish out some DVDs here or there just to watch And and I'll watch them once, you know, maybe twice, but, um, I got rid of a lot of it uh but uh but the hobby I'll always it's been great it it was one of the best things I've ever done uh I met a lot of good people and if you notice lately like I've been posting uh pictures of myself with some of these guys so um aside from the fact, I, I realize, say my wife my wife uh had a Facebook memory today of my high school graduation picture and really what it just confirms is I was meant to have a shaved head I I I really was I was meant to have a shaved head I think I think probably once I don't know maybe once I hit 10 11 from 10 and 11 to to 18 I, I that was some really bad hair and then I, once I was 18 my dad said he, he, I could grow my hair however I want I was an adult I could grow and that's when I that's when I took the plunge and had the mullet um, but I've had some bad hair over the years and, uh, I, I think I'm definitely des I was destined to have a shaved head. And, uh, I think this is, I'm not handsome by any stretch of the imagination, but this is definitely my best look is the shaved head. But it's been cool posting these pictures because, um, you, some pictures I don't get much feedback on and that, and that's not why I post them. Um, but some pictures I get a lot of feedback on. So probably the two this week that I got a lot of feedback on, um, I posted a picture of myself and Dale Purinton from when uh, Purinton was in Hartford. And if, and if you know me or you've heard the shows and I've talked about the stuff that happened with him and Cairns, um yeah, I don't, I don't dig that stuff. I, I think what Purinton did with Cairns was Bush. Um, I think when he jumped him, I thought that was bullshit. And then I think what Cairns wanted to fight him straight up and he didn't want to fight him and he kind of went behind Messier. I thought that was kind of Bush league too. Um, you know, Purinton, like he had this reputation of this wild man. And I think a lot of times he lived up to it. But I think if you want to have that reputation, I think you got to answer the bell. And, you know, jumping Cairns. Look, you want to jump, guys. Stuff like that's going to happen. It, it is. In, in the heat of the battle, stuff like that's going to happen. Did I like when he jumped Cairns? No. I thought it was horseshit. But when they played again and Cairns wanted to fight him straight up, if Purinton fights him, then I go, okay, well, you you did what you did. And now you, you fought him and who knows? I mean, listen, Purinton's a tough guy. I, I like Cairns in that fight every time, but Purinton's, he's no slouch. But, um, the, I met Dale twice that the, the day of the picture was actually the second time. Like I said, that was the day because people are giving me shit because those were in a capitals Jersey. And like I've said, I believe that game at Hartford, Hartford was playing Portland and at that time, the Islanders did not have an AHL affiliate. And when the Islanders moved their affiliate to the IHL, I needed a team in the American League to support. So I went with Portland because they had Kevin Kaminsky and Kerry Clark and Brian Curran. So I liked Portland. So when they play Portland, I don't have a port. Well, now I have a Portland jersey. But at the time, I didn't have a Portland jersey. So I did the next best thing. I wore a Kevin Kaminsky Capitals jersey. So I'm not a Capitals fan. But I just, the game was Portland and Hartford I was rooting for Portland. So I wore a caps jersey. So people give me shit about that. But that was the second time I'd met Dale. The first time I'd met Dale was also in, in Hartford and he was a rookie and I'll never forget meeting him because he was sitting in the crowd by himself. And I went up to him and I said, Hey, um, Hey Dale, how's it going? And he just looked at me like, how the fuck do you know who I am? I think you, you know, first year out of the Western league and everything. And he was really cool. Like really a nice guy. And I sat next to him, we bullshit for a few minutes and I said, look, if you're interested, I could send you some, some fight tapes, you know, some, you know, you're new to the league, send you some tapes, whatever. And it'd be great if I could get a stick in return. I collect that stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget. He turned to me, he goes. I'd love to give you a stick. I'm using Daniel Gano sticks right now. I don't think you want one of those. And I'll just start laughing. I'm like, no, I, I definitely don't want a Daniel Gano. Uh, I'll wait. I'll send you some tapes. I'll wait until you have your own patterns up here. And he was really cool. Like really, really humble guy, nice guy. And, uh, so I will say the couple of interactions I've had with, uh, with Dale were, were awesome. Great guy and everything. But I, like I said, I don't agree with what happened with Karen's. And, um, but like I said, it was funny. I was, uh debating do i post this picture with purinton i know it's going to get some reaction because like i said especially on the on the twitter feed it's it's the feed for the uh for the show so it's a lot of islander fans and uh, it got some reaction but uh like i said i don't agree with what happened with karen's but i, I can't say that purinton was an asshole the two times i met at me was fucking awesome so you know and i hope he's doing well i know he ran into some problems i don't know what he's up to lately but obviously i wish the guy well The other picture this week that got a lot of attention was a picture that I posted with Bob Probert and I have pretty good Bob Probert story. So, you know, over the years you hear things about Proby and you hear about how he doesn't like to do interviews or doesn't like to do a lot of interviews. And uh, I didn't know what kind of a guy he was. And um, I was not intimidated, but I guess it's the kind of thing where you don't want to meet your heroes because you never know. Like I know a lot of people meet people that they idolize, whether it's a musician or actors or whatever, and they meet them and they're assholes and it kind of shatters them. And I had met a bunch of guys before Probert. And I guess just cause Pro, you know, Probert is, you know, to me Probert and Dave Brown and Ben Wilson, that those are, you know, top three guys. And, uh, I never met Ben. I met Dave Brown, really, really humble guy, cool guy, low key, funny guy, really funny guy. But I don't know. I was always like, I don't know, Proby, you never know. And, um, so I remember I was talking to Jim Cummins and um, he's like, just dude, go up to him. Just talk to him. He's a great guy. He's fucking probe, He's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, but w- usually when I talk to you guys, I meet you guys to talk about fights. And then, yeah, it's always like, he doesn't want to talk about fights. He goes, Oh, fuck that shit. Just go up and talk to him. He goes, I'll tell him that you're to talk to him. And then I don't know what happened. I didn't get to see him that day. So now they, they're, I'm living in Philly at the time and they're coming to Philly. And I know I'd spoken to Ryan Vandenbush. And, um, I don't remember why, but I, I called Vandenbush at the hotel the night before. I don't know what we were trying to, we were trying to figure something out. I wasn't sure if I was going to get to the game beforehand. I don't know if I was going to ask him to leave me passes after the game. Uh, I forget what it was, but I had to call Vandenbush for something and we spoke and I'm like, Oh, you know, I said, how I said something like, Oh, is probing in a good mood? You know, he's, he's in a good mood. He's okay. He's like, yeah, he's fucking awesome. He's my roommate. And I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, he's not here now. I put him on the phone. I'm like, oh, God. So um, he's like, oh, yeah. He goes, definitely talk to you. will love you. I love you. He's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. So we, whatever we said, all right, I'll meet you, you know, leave me passes. I'll meet you after the game. I'll bring you a bunch of shit, whatever. I go to work the next day. I'm working at Fleer, and um, my phone rings. I pick up the phone, and uh, I don't know. I don't remember how I answered the phone. Hello, this is Joe, whatever. And he goes, Joe, and I'm like, yeah. He goes, it's Proby, and I'm like, what? Like, like God is calling me right now. Like, are you serious? Bob Probert is on the phone calling me. So I guess Van must have said, hey, call my friend Joe. Whatever, he's a cool guy, he likes tapes. Whatever, he likes to fight. And I just remember going to myself, holy fucking shit. And I, but I'm like playing, Oh, Hey, what's up? Proby has it going, man? Whatever. Hey, blah, 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 blah. And We bullshit for a little bit. And uh, he's like, you're coming to the game tonight, right? Yeah. Oh, Bushy's going to leave you passage. Yeah. All right. Listen, I'll meet you after the game and whatever. We'll shoot the shit. I hung up the phone. Like I, I, I was like, Holy shit. Bob Probert just fucking called me. I Maybe the call was two minutes. I don't fucking remember, but I'm like, Holy fucking shit. And then after the game, you know, go, and this is when Chicago had a bunch of guys. So Chicago games are always fun because they. 25, 30% of their team was tough players. So it was fun. And you just, it was kind of cool. Like after the game, you go down the way it was in Philly. You kind of waited outside the door of the locker room and then the players could bring in. And, and it was cool because there were times where, you know, when Chicago would come to town, I'd be there talking to one of them. And next thing you know, you're talking to Brad Brown and here comes Probert, and here comes Vandenbosch, here comes Cummins, here comes uh, Mark Janssen's for a time was there. Like it, it's really cool. And you're kind of holding court with all these guys and they're all really humble down to earth guys. It was really awesome. And here comes Probert and we're just talking and like, I remember having conversations with him about, uh, he's like, oh, how come I never met you before? All these guys know you. I never met you. And I'm like, well, you know, I always read how you don't like to talk about fighting and all this other stuff. And he was awesome. He's like, look, he goes, I talk fighting with fans and everything. He goes, I get it. He goes, it's part of my job. He goes, after a while, he would just tell me after a while, it just gets tired talking to the media about it. It's all they ever want to talk about. And, you know, and he said, he's like, you know, I think I do more than fighting. Of course he does. Dude, the guy was fucking all-star. But, um, I'm like, yeah, I just never wanted to bother you, you know, cause that's all you read is about, how you don't. he's like, no, he goes, you're cool. We we talk, whatever. And then probably every time he came to the Island or Philly after that, we'd always chat maybe three or four times. And, uh, he was awesome. Like he, he was unbelievable. And that's why I'm, you know, like, um, I didn't take pictures with a lot of guys. And then this is back in the day of the, those Instamatic, uh, jobbies where you get like 35 pictures and they're disposable. And, um, you know, thank God my wife didn't mind taking all these pictures. So I'll have these, uh, I'll have these memories. I'll have the, the pictures, you know, forever. And, um, but that is my Bob Probert story. Like you just have it picking up the phone and it being Bob Probert. It was just fucking unreal. So, um, that was a lot of fun. And I, I, I think for every time I saw Bushy after that, I'd be like, dude, thanks a lot. That was so unexpected. That was amazing. You know, and, uh, it was just a lot of fun. And Bob was always amazing to me. And I mean, the reality is maybe out of every time I saw him, if you add up the time of the conversations we had, maybe it adds up to fifteen, twenty minutes. But it was just, you know, like you're in the presence of greatness. You're in the presence of someone at the top of his field. And just to to talk to him about different things, it was it was incredible. It really was. And you know, like I said, that I'll never forget that phone call. And uh I always say I had two phone calls at Fleer at the opposite ends of the spectrum and this was the, the pinnacle of my phone calls of Fleer. The other one is when, uh, when they decided to go chapter 11 and that's more personal. Um, that was the, the devastating phone call, which my family knows about, but the, the proby call was, was unbelievable. Uh, it, w- it was really great. And again, this, this stuff doesn't happen if there is not a fight tape hobby. I don't meet these guys. If there's not a fight tape hobby. Um, the other day I went to Syoss at rink to see my buddy and, um, we were talking about it a day or so before, and he's like, oh, come on Tuesday. He goes, uh, Eric, Karen, Karen's going to be here. He's skating with somebody. He goes, he hasn't been here in a while. He's going to be here on Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, cool. Definitely. So I didn't tell Karen's I was coming. And when I got there, he's like, yeah, he's on the small rink, whatever. So we kind of peeked my head in and he's looking at me. And of course I have my mask on because, you know, so he's looking, he's looking, I pull my mask down and he's like, holy shit. And it, you know, it was just great. And I haven't seen Karen's uh, over a year maybe whatever but he's a guy i've known since he's a rookie and uh we've we've stayed in touch and he's just a great guy and um he will be on the show like i, I keep telling everybody he will be on the show it's just a question of when um and and be prepared because this i i told karen's i said i tell people all the time that i did seven and a half hours with mick And I don't think we're going to approach that. I say with you, it's very possible that we will do another epic interview like I did with Mick. So definitely get comfortable when I, when I eventually have Karens on the show, he will be on the show for sure. But Karens, like I I always say, Karens was one of the guys, every time I would meet these guys, 99% of the time. So I guess it's not every time, 99% of the time my wife was with me at the time, whether she was my girlfriend or my fiance or my wife. And most of the time, the conversation was between the player and myself. And she was cool with that. She didn't care. She was just cool, you know, to be there or whatever. And I always say there were two people who always included her in the conversations. And one of them was Todd Ewan and one of them was Eric Cairns. From the day that he met her, he, both of them, they would always, you know, we would always talk me and the player, let's say, but they always included Andrea in, in the conversations to made her feel like a part of it. And, um, even the other day, now Andrea's had short hair for a while now and he, and, but I think this is the first time you may have seen her with it. He's like, oh, your hair looks great and everything. And it's just, you know, this is, this is all stuff. And Karen's is a, is a guy that I'll be friends with till the day we die. He's just that kind of a guy. He's a great guy. He's been great to me. Um, you know, and, um, you know, I, I gen. I genuinely care about the guy. I genuinely care about um, his well-being. I care about a lot of these guys. I genuinely care about him, And, um, you know, again, this is stuff that comes from the hobby. If there was no hockey fight tape hobby, I wouldn't know a lot of these guys. And I wouldn't have these stories. And I wouldn't, it's because I decided one day I'm going to make these fight tapes. So a lot of times the hobbies are one-sided where you put everything into it and you don't get anything out of it. Like if you like you collect models or trains or whatever it is, there's really no reciprocal effect coming towards you. And the good thing with the, the hockey fight tape hobby for myself is it allowed me to meet a lot of quality people. And I'm not just even talking about the players. Um, you know, I've met a lot of really good PR people. Uh, guy who I consider a friend is Greg Boris. He was uh, a PR guy for the Islanders for a long time. Then he went to Florida and uh, we still chat every now and then on Facebook. I mean, you know, if I'm not doing the fight tapes, uh, he doesn't see me around the Coliseum. We don't talk, we don't keep in touch. It's, it's just the, the, the hobby has been very good to me. The hobby has been wonderful for me. And, And I think part of it is the personality too. Like if I, if I was, uh, I think I'm introverted, but I think in certain situations I'm not. And, uh, you know, I always kind of felt like in my element at a rink and around these guys. So I was, I always could be a little more extroverted and, and I think a lot of it has to do with my personality, but the, 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 the hockey fight tape hobby, it, it, it's been great. It's been amazing for me and it, it's opened the doors to a lot of different things. Uh, I remember when, um, I think Nashville, their first year in the league. So Nashville had, um pat cote and danny lambert and scott walker and bob bugner so i i had a friendship with bob from when he was with buffalo so when um nashville came to town uh i kind of hung out i waited waited for bob and i think bob came out with danny and um i don't i think uh coco might have been in the in the rink already i don't know about walker but i gave I gave Bobby a bunch of tapes for all the guys. And then I, after the game, when I saw him, he's like, yeah, all the guys were pumped. And as soon as everyone got in, we made the uh, trainer. He, we asked the trainer, go, you know, get us a TV with a VCR. We popped in the tapes and watching the tapes before the game. And it was like, you know, just something innocuous like that. It was just like, wow, that's really cool. You know? And, uh, I remember when, um, when Vandenbush knocked out, um, Kiprios and, uh, I think Buffalo came in early in the season that some of the guys hadn't seen it and the uh you know they may not remember it but like you know i was talking about it with brad may and barnaby um and i think bob was on the team at the time and just like they hadn't seen it yet and we were talking about it. i don't remember the whole thing but it was kind of like the guys trust you know there's a certain amount of trust and i earned that trust with these guys where they, they valued my opinion whatever i said um you know it wasn't. I, I I was never one of those guys like, yeah, you kicked that guy's ass, whatever. I I wasn't really like that. I always was kind of realistic about it. And I know in one case, uh, a guy that I was very good friends with, I haven't really spoken to in a long time. Uh, he had a couple of fights in the game against the Islanders and I kind of challenged not challenged them, but I said, why'd you do that? And he, he didn't like it. Like he didn't, I remember it kind of caught him off guard and I'm like, dude, I said, look, are we not? Are we not close enough where I can ask you why you would do something like that? And he's like, yeah. He goes, I just, I don't think I expected it. And I said, look, I'm, I'll I'll pump your tires all day long, but if you do something that I don't, I don't agree with i might ask you about it. He goes like, yeah, I could see that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I've never been one like, I've always kind of tried to be more scientific about it than, yeah, you kick that guy's ass or that guy's a pussy or whatever. Like it was never like that. So I think, I think because of that, I think, uh, most of the guys anyway, I think they kind of valued My, my opinion on things, whether they agreed with me all the time is another story, but I think they'd at least listen. So, um, but yeah, it was, uh, so, so I, I guess I started this topic by talking about the guy Ron, uh, making this group on, uh, on Facebook and it, and it's been really cool because it's, uh, we're all probably the, around the same age. We've all done a lot of the certain things and, uh, you know, as far as making tapes and put the time in. So it's kind of fun to go, uh, go down memory lane. So, um, I'm sure I have a million more stories about meeting the boys and, uh, um, you know, giving them tapes to get stuff in return and, and, um, you know, it's just been, uh, it's been a great, it's been great for me. The hobby has been, been really good for me. So I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate that, uh, you know, I was able to, when we moved here on Long Island, of course, moving is traumatic. I I moved here at the end of eighth grade. I thought it was the end of the world, you know, and, uh, you know, then you get acclimated and everything. And then you're like, Hey, the Coliseum isn't that far away. And they, I have my license now. So let's see what happens. And it's been, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun back in the day. That that's for sure. So um you know, I, I, I'm sure I have a million stories, but, uh, none that really come to mind right now. So if you, if anyone has any questions, definitely, um, send me a message. And if I have anything interesting, I'll definitely, uh, definitely pass it along, whether it's on, uh, another episode or in a message or whatever, I'm more than happy. I'm always happy to talk fights. I'm always happy to talk stories about the boys. That's for sure. Um, a couple other things, I guess I just want to, uh, I guess expand a little bit on, on what I was talking about earlier with Darren and Alec, um, with Darren having Steve Adams and Alec having Frank Littlejohn, um, I think a lot of times people just look for the big names in anything. Um, and one of the things that I know the three of us have in common, Alec, Darren, and myself is we love having the minor league guys on. And, and I said this, I think in the Mike Cornell interview, in the Yannick turcott interview, and and I've said it with all the guys, like, uh, the minor league guys have, have the best stories. They, they have the best stories and it's sort of a double-edged sword because, because they have the best stories, it probably means they, you know, like you talk about the bus stories. So yeah, it'd be better if they had, I guess for them, it'd be better if they didn't have the good stories because maybe it meant they were flying, uh, private, you know, private planes to and from there in the NHL and they're chartering you know, flying charter instead of the buses or back in the day, flying commercial. Um, but the minority guys have the best stories. They they really do. And, um, I think for some people, and I, I think especially the younger people now, because the whole attention span thing where they need instant gratification and, and I, I'm not blaming them. It seems to be a generational thing. So if you're conditioned that way, that's what you know. And I, I think, um, you know, for me, uh, I'd i much rather hear an interview with Steve Adams or, or Frank Littlejohn or, or Mike Cornell, Yannick Turcotte than Alex Ovechkin. What's Alex Ovechkin going to tell you? Hey, I'm awesome. I score a lot of goals. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Like I think, I think that guys like Alex Ovechkin and Crosby, I think they've been in the limelight for so long. I think their story has been told a million times and, I don't know what's really interesting about telling the story for the 800th time. I don't know. Like I I, I just don't, you know. So um I love when I have guys that uh, uh that haven't been out there. And I love when Alec has guys that that haven't been out there and Darren has guys that haven't been out there because it's almost like they're they're just opening up. A guy, one of the guys who, he played a lot of years in the NHL, and he did a podcast, and I listened to it this week, was Rhett Warner, and he was amazing. I can't remember. I think it was the Saskatoon Blade Show, and he 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 was fucking great. He was, I mean, you could tell he was into the interview. The one thing about the interview is his voice sounds like someone else, so I spent a lot of the interview trying to figure out who he sounds like. But, you know, you might think, well, Rhett Warner, so where is he in the pecking order when he played for Florida, let's say? So when he played for Florida, who are the names like Van Beesbrook was probably the biggest name and Scroodland, um, Mellonby, those guys and Rhett Warner as a young kid is probably, you know, Jovanovsky's a young kid, but he's the number one pick. Um, so I don't know where a Rhett Warner fit in the pecking order for someone like myself, he was near the top. I'd much rather, I was much more interested in Rhett Warner than a lot of the other players in the team, Radek, Dvorak or any of the other you know, European guys, whatever, let's say. So I, I always appreciated Rhett Warner's style, but I think in, in, in the, um, in the pecking order for the average fan, he may not really rate in comparison to some of the other players. But when I, when I see a guy like Rhett Warner's name pop up in my podcast, I'm pumped because, Hey, I I may have spoken to Rhett Warner once or twice in his life, maybe for a total of two minutes back in the day but I don't know Rhett Warner's story and you see, you hear him on a show and it's like, wow, this is great. And then listen, there, everybody is a different kind of interview. It all depends on your personality. And Warner was great. He, he was, he was a terrific interview. So I, I think it's important. And I think older, older guys and gals like myself, let's say an older guy like myself, I'm not coming out or anything or making any sort of announcement here, um, appreciate those guys' stories more so than I think younger kids. Like I keep mentioning Alec. Alec is like a unicorn because he's just a baby. I think he's 23, 24, but he's old school at heart. And that's really refreshing to see nowadays. Um, but I think a lot of these kids, they don't really care. They just, they want to know who's got the best dangle or who sellies. Like what is this shit, right? But um, I think it's important for uh, not that it's important for you to go back and find the universe I'm talking about. Like I said, it's a Saskatoon blade show, but I think if you like old time hockey and you like hearing stories about guys who had to work for everything they got, I would, I would definitely recommend trying to find the Rhett Warner interview. I think more so Don Cherry. Now everybody knows how much I love Don Cherry and everybody knows how I feel about him getting fired from TV bullshit. It, it really was whether you like it or not. It's fucking bullshit. I was talking about this with my friend last night. It actually, for someone like myself, it was the best thing because now instead of seeing him for five to seven minutes once a week during hockey season, now I get to listen to him every week. He's either doing a new show or he's putting up old grapevine episodes. And you know what? There, To me, Don Cherry, guys like Don Cherry, guys like Brian Burke, who has, he, he's been doing a lot of shows these guys are invaluable resources because whether you agree with them or not, whether you agree with where they stand on things or not, these guys have stories for days and days. And I hear people go, oh, Don Cherry's crazy old man. He's a senile old man. Is he though? Have you heard his podcast? The stories that he tells, he remembers these things. So you could call him senile, you call him cranky old man, whatever, all the other nonsense that people throw at him. Man, a guy like Don Cherry, the stories that he brings to this world, a guy like Brian Burke, I wish Brian Burke had his own show. I mean, I listen to every show Brian Burke does because that guy has so many great stories. Don Cherry, to me, as you know, he's the king. Don Cherry's the king. He has, you know all the stories he talks about. And I I just think for the new age fans, the young kids, they don't appreciate it. You know, I don't know who is, who is going to be in 20 years. Who are you going to say is the Don Cherry of this next generation? Who's going to be the Brian Burke of this next generation? I don't know. And I think because the times are so different, I could sit in a car with Brian Burke or Don Cherry and drive from California to New York. And, and I won't hear the same story twice and it'll be glorious. And I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone out there that's going to be that guy in 20 or 30 years where you're going to go wow, He's got such great. And I'm sure there will be, but I don't know who, I don't know who it's going to be. So, I guess if I have any, any younger listeners out there, I really would. And and again, chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably do like Don Cherry. Listen to his podcast, listen to the stories he tells. And I, I really urge you to, um, to listen to anything that Brian Burke is on because he is, I mean, he's just old school to the core. He's got some great old school stories. And, and the good thing about Burke, he doesn't give a shit. And Burke's on TV now, so of course he has to watch what he says to a certain extent, but he, th- there's no filter on him in terms of like the old school stories. Like he tells you how it is. And he he'll, he'll say, look, times were different back then. So this is how we did things back then. Wouldn't necessarily do it now, but times were different back then. And these guys are just invaluable resources that we have, and I think we need to appreciate. I mean, really. And I guess it's the same thing where if you're into like the military And you hear like old soldiers talk about old war stories, guys who have been there in the trenches, literally in the trenches. I guess it's something like that, where you could sit there and listen to the guys tell old war stories and you just sit there and you appreciate it coming from someone who's been there. So I guess it really, you know, for me, it's hockey, but for it really could be anything, you know, I, you know, um, like I said, if you, if you're into the military and you like the old war stories or, um, I don't know, the chefs have more stories. Like if you're into cooking and you want to listen to, you know, Julia Child's story, I, I don't know, but I know for, for sports, I know that's one of the beauties, the beautiful things about sports is that the, the old guy, the older guys, the old timers telling the stories about how things used to be, uh, to me, nothing beats that. No, absolutely nothing beats listening to Don Cherry or, or Brian Burke talk about the old days. So. I just like I said, I, I hope that they're appreciated. I know, you know, the old farts like me um appreciate that stuff. And um I hope some of the younger people do too. So there's there's two more things I want to talk about and then uh and then we'll get out of here. Um one of the things that we I was talking about this last night with my friend. And we we're talking about uh jerseys and things that I call jersey violations. So I'll just touch on these a little bit. Um So this is something I've been a Jersey geek for a very long time and not just the game jerseys like, you know, the jerseys you buy in a store. So I'd like to give you people some advice, not that you have to listen to me, but it's definitely, I would say there are some rules. There are some guidelines that you should follow when purchasing a Jersey. Um, First, if you purchase a Jersey that you're going to get customized, don't put your last name on it. Don't do it. Okay. To me, I I think it, uh, I think, and again, what's my opinion worth? Nothing. But I think when I see a Jersey and it has the person's name on it, it just, to me, it's just weird. It, it just is, you know, like, let's say like, I always talk about back in the day when you look at the Coliseum and there are a hundred million Pat LaFontaine jerseys. And then you get like one guy with 16 that says Jones. Uh, It just is weird to me. So that would be number one. If you buy a jersey and get it customized, please put the player's name on there. Not yours. Secondly, if you buy a jersey, and now obviously in hockey, they all have the names on the back, but this extends to other sports, and especially here in New York with the Yankees. If you buy a jersey of a team that doesn't have the name on the back, don't put the name on the back. Yankee jerseys, any Yankee jersey should not have a name on the back. It just shouldn't. The Yankees do not put names on the back of their jerseys. So if you have a Yankee jersey, it should not have a name on the back. It just shouldn't. The Yankees don't have names in the back. You shouldn't have a name on the back of your jersey. <clears throat> if the team that you're wearing doesn't have names on the back of their jersey. And you definitely shouldn't have your own name on the back of the jersey. So I hope that's clear. Another violation. If you get a jersey of a team from a a certain time period, get a player, and you want to get a player, get a player who played during that time period. Example, when the Islanders brought in that fucking stupid fisherman jersey, when I would see people wearing the fisherman jersey done up with Potvin 5, Bossy 22, Trottier 19. They've just put players that never wore that jersey. Now, I understand why you'd want to get Dennis Potvin on a jersey or Brian Trottier on a jersey. They're legends. I completely get it. I, I'd i wear a Dennis Potvin jersey. I'd wear a Brian Trottier jersey. I wouldn't wear a Brian Trotier fisherman jersey. I wouldn't wear a Dennis Potvin fisherman jersey. Why on earth... Why in your head would you think, I just bought this really awesome fisherman jersey? Although I guess if you're buying the fisherman jersey, you know, anything goes as far as common sense. But so if you're, so you're now they have the reverse retro jerseys. So I guess my advice would be if you're buying a reverse retro jersey, don't get anyone else that's not on the team now. It's simple, right? Like, I don't know. Just to me, I don't get it. And again, maybe I'm a, I take this a little too serious. I don't know. And again, take this. I'm, I'm telling you my rules with a grain of salt because obviously if you're going to spend the money on a Jersey, get whatever the fuck you want on the Jersey. I'm just saying the guidelines that I use for myself. So for instance, I am hoping that I get a retro or reverse retro Jersey for Christmas from my wife. I am not going to bring that jersey to the team store and say, hey, could you throw Baumgartner 24 on this? Could you put Vakota 12 on this? Could you put Gillies 9 on this? Or Gillies 14 on this? Not going to do that. Why? Because they didn't wear the reverse retro jersey. Even though, and even though the jersey is similar to the the early 2000 jerseys, I'm not going to say... Could you throw Cairns on here or Goddard or Asham? Could you do? No, because those guys didn't wear the jersey. So let's try to keep the players that you get on these jerseys to the players who actually wore the jerseys. Simple, right? Like I said, the whole Fisherman era was a joke. And like you think, well, the jersey itself is a joke. It can't get any worse than that. And here you go, here comes someone with a fisherman jersey with potvin five on it. Doesn't make sense. Just doesn't make sense. So I would say those are those are the big ones for me. The, those are definitely the big jersey violations for me. And of course, here here's one that I'm torn on. These Chinese knockoffs. First of all, I think if you buy a Chinese knockoff and you get something that looks like shit. Well then it's it's buyer beware. You paid for a knockoff, you got a knockoff and it looks like garbage. Now, I understand completely that some of these jerseys, a lot of these jerseys are are very overpriced. And I totally totally understand if it's not in someone's budget to spend Two, $300 on a jersey. Oh, oh, God, I understand that 100%. I also understand people that say, I have the money to do it, but as soon as I buy a jersey, the player is going to get traded. So I don't want to invest money in a jersey, in a pro jersey, and then he's going to get traded a year from now. So I understand that too. So the Chinese knockoffs, I'm not a fan of. I personally wouldn't wear them, but I, I don't consider them a major violation because there's always extenuating circumstances. I mean there there are. Uh and this is even pre-COVID where, where people may not have it in their budget. So it's easy to send fifty bucks to Shanghai or wherever they make these fucking things. But you get what you pay for. And and I've seen a few of them that are actually pretty good. I, I don't you know there are a few that you could tell they're knockoffs, but they're actually not bad but most of them are ugh. you know the numbers look like pillows and the logos look like pillows and you know like i don't know it's almost like what what chemicals are you putting into your washing machine when you wash these things and uh and what's going to come out i i don't uh i don't know but like i said i i'm a little bit more lenient with the chinese knockoffs if if it's just a case that you think they're just as good as the, as the jerseys you buy here. Well, then didn't you have rocks in your head? Cause they're not, but, um, financial considerations could play a role in it. And I completely understand that. And, and I also understand, Hey, I'm not going to buy. Hey, listen, if you're an Islander fan, I f- you probably figured at one point, well, I'm gonna get a John Tavares jersey because he's not going anywhere. And now there's thousands of John Tavares jerseys. If they're not burnt to a crisp that are sitting in people's closets, that will never be worn again. So I totally get it. But, Again, if you're going to buy one of the Chinese knockoffs, just be careful what you're buying because like shit. So it's very possible that you're going to get what you pay for. Now, the last thing I'll leave you with is something that I got a kick out of. My friend Yuka, who I've spoken about a few times and actually was a guest on Darren's podcast um, two or three episodes ago. He started a um, Twitter account, and it's I believe it's Pillow Puncher is limited. It's Pillow Puncher 77, I think, or Pillow Puncher LTD. You'll see it. If, if you go on my accounts, I, re- I retweet them every day. And Yuka has an archive of articles on enforcers and fighting that is probably second to none. And he posted something the other day on Twitter, and it was a review of Stan Fischler's Ultimate Bad Boys. Now, I'm fortunate enough to have been in that book. I believe it was Bad Boys 2 with, uh, and at the end of the book, I believe, well, I know it was a man named Eric Servita, who I later met, and I believe he was interning with Stan Fischler at the time. And, and, uh, I've touched on this in one of the other episodes. And basically what Eric did was he, he basically was a bunch of, essentially what it ended up being was a bunch of lists, maybe not necessarily top 10 lists, but he broke down different categories of fighters in different categories. And I remember when Stan did the ultimate bad boys, he wanted, um, he wanted to kind of revisit that. And I've said this before, I was in the press box one day and I was sitting next to two of Stan's interns and I heard them talking about it. And at this point I had been writing for, um pro hockey the european magazine where i did the enforcer feature every month and uh, i believe i had i had done a few of the tough guys magazine at this point so i i felt pretty confident in what i was doing so i i overheard them talking about it and i said hey you know i do this i do this i i love hockey fighting and um if i can help out in any way i'd be more than happy to do it and then um one of them, you know, one of the interns, I can't remember her name, um, she got back to me and basically said, Yeah, what we're, we're, Stan wants to do this again. He did it in one of the other books. And I said, Oh, yeah, I, I know exactly what it is. And, um, you know, she said, We're going to get a few people to kind of do it. We want to get, uh, not just one person, uh, basically you're going to do a couple of people and not compare you guys, but kind of give you all each your little section. I was like, perfect. So, um, so I did that. And again, this is, I didn't have a computer at the time. I, I hand wrote everything and, uh, I faxed probably a million pages <laughs> over to, to the interns at the time. And, uh, again, I worked very hard on it. So I say, if, uh, if you have the ultimate and ultimate bad boys is the one where Seve's on the cover, pounding Aaron Ward. And, um, so you could post this review and I know that, um, the three people that, um, that were doing it. One was myself, one was David Singer, the guy who used to have uh, hockeyfights.com, and uh, a gentleman named Randall Chadwick. And I think we all kind of did our own thing. So I think we were similar, but we were different. And um, so it kind of gave a little bit of variety. So, you know, I'd say there's a little something for everybody. So this review was done by a woman named Helene Elliott. Now, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, Helene Elliott might actually be in the Hockey Hall of Fame for writing. I want to say she's out in the West Coast. Maybe she covers the Kings. Maybe she's in Sports Illustrated. I don't know where she is. I don't know. But Helene was not happy with this book. And I'll, I'll read you a few of the excerpts. So this is how her review begins. First, a confession in the interest of journalistic integrity. So right away, you know this isn't going to be good. While in high school, I worked for Stan Fischler. I did research, made phone calls, and wrote chapters of a few of his books. Go ahead, ask me anything about Ed Van Emp of the Philadelphia Flyers. My compensation was a couple of subway tokens per visit and an acknowledgement in the forward of his books, usually with my name as spelled. Which leads me to why I'm so leery of and disappointed by this offering by one of the most prolific hockey writers ever to enter the rink. This book is essentially a compilation of interviews conducted by his core of researchers and freelance writers, which he calls the fishler hockey service. None is a sports writer or trained journalist. None has Fischler's writing experience or has watched hockey as long as he has. What's missing from their efforts is Fischler's perspective. He says in the introduction, some of the game's most interesting and downright exciting moments have come from such colossal battles as Gordy Howe versus Lou Fontanaro, Rocket Richard versus Bob Dill, and Bill and Zicky and Ted Lindsay. But he stops short of analyzing what they say about the game. In his lifetime of covering hockey, he must have seen a variety of attitudes towards fighting attitudes towards fighting from the reign of Philadelphia's Broad Street bullies to attempts by the NHL to eliminate bench clearing brawls. And more recently, Toronto general manager Ken Dryden's proposal to ban fighting discussing the changing viewpoints from error to error would have been enlightening, but that's not here. This is where it involves me. Too often the chapters consist of a transcript of a question and answer session conducted by one official's assistants. If you're going to follow that format, the question should be better than, where were you born? That's listed in the NHL guide. Ask something people might not know or can't easily discover. As for the nearly 50-page chapter in which Randall S. Chadwick, David Singer, and Joe Lazito rate NHL enforcers, who are Randall S. Chadwick, David Singer, and Joe Lizito besides hockey fans and friend of Fishler, friends of Fishlers who watch a lot of hockey fight tapes? What makes them experts whose expertise is worth fifteen ninety five? And why didn't someone curb their gushing descriptions of players and eliminate some of the exclamation points? So she goes on for three more paragraphs. Obviously, she's not happy. But now, I find that amusing. I don't take offense to that at all. Because, in a way, what she says is true. And I'm not going to speak for Randall S. Chadwick or David Singer. I'm going to speak for myself. Who am I other than someone that watches a lot of the hockey fight teams? Now, does Helene Elliott, who again in the beginning speaks of journalistic integrity? Now, did Helene Elliott reach out to myself? And ask me what my qualifications are to be a part of this project. No, she did not. If she did, I would have been more than happy to tell her that I have a, uh, column in a European hockey magazine, pro hockey published in three countries. Um, the column, the, uh, it's called ice fighters. I, I profile a different fighter every month. Um, I have been, uh, a main contributor to hockey stars, tough guy magazines. I don't know if at this point I was published in sport, uh, Stu Hackel did, uh, a major, major hockey article for sport. And, uh, I, he had interviewed me about, uh, fighting and I, I discussed with him, um, different fighters and different tough teams at the time. I know we had discussed the Capitals and the Sabres at the time. They were probably the two toughest teams at the time. Um, So, but as far as journalistic integrity goes, no, Helene Elliott did not reach out to me and that's okay. That's okay. Now, here's my question. And this is what I would, I would ask. So yes, I am someone who watched a lot of fight tapes. Absolutely guilty as charged. As if you know me, you know, that's true. Um, but if you don't, in terms of hockey, let's take hockey, for instance. If you don't play the game and you don't have a job with an organization, how do you learn? Do you you could read a lot of books, you can watch a lot of video, you can be around the team, you can pick things up. How do you learn? Now, for myself, yeah, watched thousands of hours of hockey fights. I I met a lot of the players, I had nice conversations with a lot of the players, I had um conversations that where I was given information that was not privy, was not made public and would never be made public by me. Uh, I think I have a good feel for the psychology of the hockey enforcer, uh, based on these conversations that I have. And, um, I honestly feel that I'm not saying I am the guy because I don't know. I don't know what everyone else knows, But I honestly feel comfortable where you can put me on, um, say a platform. You can put me amongst others in this field. And I think I can hold my own. Absolutely. 100%. Um, again, not saying I'd be the best or the worst, but I think I can hold my own. But I, I guess my question to Helene would be, well, you've never played the game either. And you interned for Stan and you were. You know, what makes you qualified now? Obviously, if Helene Elliott is in the hall of fame, she's obviously, I would think has probably written some very good pieces and has been a beat writer. I'm sure, but at a certain point when she first started, wouldn't, wouldn't Helene Elliott in her field be similar to someone like myself back then? just, you know, basically just starting out. Like, I don't know. I didn't know where, where this was going to be. I didn't know 30 years later, I was going to have my own podcast or 25 years later, whatever it is. I, I didn't know. I didn't know where this was going to lead me. So wouldn't it be fair to say that for someone like Helene Elliott, um, who never played in the NHL, um, what, what makes her qualified to write about the NHL? Well, she put in the work. Uh, absolutely, I don't think anyone that's in the Hockey Hall of Fame for any aspect is in there and didn't put the work in. So I'm sure Helene Elliott put the work in, obviously. And again, I think she's in the Hall of Fame, not 100% positive, but I know she's been in the business forever. So what makes her qualified? And I guess I'll answer my own question. And again, I, I don't know for sure. It's just an assumption. Helene Elliott's qualified because she put in the work. So to say what qualifies myself or Randall or David because we watch fight tapes well isn't that isn't that putting in the work and again that's not the only qualification but but isn't that putting in the work isn't that like a writer doing their due diligence putting in the work so when I read, and I'd never seen that before. And when I read it, I got a chuckle out of it. And I, and I hope it's coming off now where I find the whole thing humorous. I'm not, I'm not offended in the least. I find it humorous. And, and I guess the, the thing I find humorous is that I'm, I've always tried to be a positive person. I always try to, uh, to, to pump people up. Like I said, there's, there's enough negativity in the world where if you can be, uh, be positive to someone and, and kind of pump them up and make them feel good or compliment them. Um, why wouldn't you? And, um, you know, like I said, for, for Helene, that review. And again, I think that Fischler has a following and I think his bad boys book have a following. And again, it might be a niche following. I mean, people that like, um you know, a free skating style of game or like the European style of game or whatever, they're probably not going to buy the bad boys books, any of them in the series. But I think there are people that like the violence and like the fighting that are going to buy it no matter what someone says, Helene Elliot or anyone else. But again, I just found it a little funny that she's sitting here wondering what, what qualifies us when at a certain point she was in the same boat, what qualified her to write about hockey that she did an internship with Fischler? You know, so, I mean, everyone starts somewhere and, um, you know, I guess if I would ever meet Helene, I would ask her about that, but I I would also ask her, well, what's the difference between when you first started and where I was at that point, there is no difference. You put in the work and you, you get to be at a certain level in a certain point and, uh, you go from there. So, um, I don't think I'm ever going to meet Helene Elliott and that's fine with me. Um, but I did find that, I did find that sort of humorous. So. Anyway, um, so that'll be it for today. I, I guess the one thing I will say is, uh, I had mentioned that I hope to do two interviews this week. Um, this week, hopefully I will have that interview, the, uh, the three-way interview, but I'm hoping to do an, I'm going to do an interview this week, hopefully with someone who I honestly, I've never seen him play. Uh, it is a player who started playing in the sixties and he played through the eighties and He's someone that I am really anxious to talk to for a number of reasons, but one of which, um, I kind of consider it a challenge because with all the interviews I've done so far, there's been video footage, whether it's in my own personal collection or if it's on the internet, where I can go back and reference things again, my voice cracks, I need to take a drink. Um, but this is a guy who I think when I went online, I there might be two fights of his and there's no other video. Now this is a guy who could play also the guy, guy put up a ton of points also. Um, but there's not a lot out there. Uh, video wise there's not a lot out there in terms of articles to do research, so i'm really putting it i'm doing my due diligence i'm doing a lot of research on this, but it's different than any of the other interviews i've done so i really i'm taking it as a challenge to kind of make it a a pleasurable interview for the listeners but also the fact that i i I want to sound like I know what i 'm talking about you know what i'm saying so Um, I'm hoping that we're going to, I'm going to touch base with this gentleman tomorrow and hopefully we can work something out where we can chat later in the week. And, um, obviously I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag because usually when I do that, nothing happens, but, um, I'm very anxious in a good way to, to do this interview and see, and see really how far I've come from, uh, from when I started this show, it's almost a year now since I've been doing this show and, um you know a lot of the interviews follow the same pattern because i have a lot of resources and with this interview i just i really don't have the resources that i've had with every other interview so um this is one that i consider a challenge and i'm i hope i'm up to it and i'm looking forward to it so um other than that like i said uh, happy hanukkah to all all my jewish friends that that are celebrating right now and um i guess that's it and hopefully uh, next week i have this interview with this uh, gentleman and, uh, who played, uh, started playing before I was born. I think that'll be uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So until next week, everybody stay safe and have a great week.